Hello and welcome to the June edition of the Pool Boy Podcast. Steve here, joined as ever by Bob Ballard, Katie Wilde. Hello, you two. How are you doing? Good, Steve. Thank you. Lockdown uh, continues, maybe easing slightly and and, uh, prospects, perhaps, Katie, people getting back into the pool. Um, Obviously going to be very exciting for those people who've been stuck out out of their training venues for a long time. Yeah, I think any little um, nugget of normality would be nice at the moment. Uh, it, it, I think it will certainly be weird. And I think there is always, always that that feeling of getting used to not doing it um, that can be quite hard to let go of. But I think these have been such strange circumstances that people will be itching to get back in. Well, we'll perhaps talk a little bit more about that later in this podcast because we're joined for this edition by James Goddard. Welcome, James. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, so we needed to delve into some uh, some of James's experiences and, and what have you from his uh, swimming career. Now, two podcasts ago on our Olympics uh, memories kind of journey with Sharon Davies, we touched on events in Athens 2004 and particularly with you, James, in the 200 metres backstroke final. Now, for those who didn't listen to that podcast, uh, this was the event where James finished fourth and then Aaron Pearsall, who'd won, was disqualified. Obviously, James went up to bronze and then after a bit of to and froing, was knocked back down again to fourth when Pearsall was reinstated. But James, how do you remember that final? Um, so, I mean, well, I mean, the lead up to Athens, I'll start there maybe. The lead up to Athens was, it was that year, 2003 to 2004, was such a great, because like, I trained at Stockport and I know you had Steve Parry on um, last time as well, uh, talking about Athens and his bronze medal. So I was trained with Steve uh, Parry, Adrian Turner, Graham Smith. We were, the, we were the four boys from Stockport that qualified for Athens. And we had such a good year of training that year. It was, it was absolutely amazing. With Sean Kelly as, as the head coach, of course. And it was such a great year. And we were all swimming so great, bouncing off each other in training, you know, really helping us get, you know, get through some tough times. You know, swimming's a tough sport when it comes to training physically and mentally. So really helping each other get through those tough times, especially over winter for me. Um, over, over, over winter was a really, really tough time, uh, and those boys helped me through. So, I mean, going into Athens, um, I felt great. I felt amazing. My my training sets were going fantastic. My times in training, the way I felt, because um, swimmers talk about a lot about feel, don't they, in the water? Like how do you feel? How does the water feel? And sometimes you feel low. Sometimes you feel like you're catching the water. Really I felt, like I, and to this day, guys, to this day, out of every single swim I've ever done. The best I've ever felt in the water was in Athens, without a shadow of a doubt. It's still, even in my mind, thinking about all the swim. It's nowhere near the fastest I swam, but even in my head, it's the best I've ever felt in the water. And we had such a good lead up um, going into Athens. Um, and I just remember, uh, just a quick story real quick with the lead up. I remember um, uh, I've spoke to Sean, my ex-coach, about his favourite time of, of, of coaching throughout his career. Because I was with his, with Sean pretty much throughout the whole of his coaching career as well. And he, we always talk about the 03-04 year. And I think if you spoke to Sean, he would probably say, I'm, I'm 90% sure that he would say that 03 04 was his favourite coaching season as well. You know, with, with, with the team that he had. And he just, and I said to him, why, why was it your favourite? Like, and, and, and he said, 
how did I said to Sean, how did you know that we were going to swim well? And this was before Olympic trials, actually. We can maybe talk about that, maybe if you want. But we, Olympic trials for Stockport was amazing. And I, and I remember him saying, Sean, he told me this thing where he was sat down coaching us at Stockport. And I think he said it was a Thursday morning. And he sat there and it was during the swim down where he knew we were going to swim fast. He knew we were going to have a great year and a great season. And he, he said he, he remembers sitting there with his arms crossed and it was like he gave us like a 200 or 400 easy swim down at the end of the end of the session. Usually coaches give you that for a little bit of garbage yardage, you know, to like make it up to 6K or make it up to like 6.5K. <laughs> so we're doing this. He says he remembers being sat there with his arms crossed and he was watching me, Steve and Aidy doing this swim down. And he said he remembers down the last length of the 400 metres, we were just going nice and easy, nice and easy. And down the last 25 metres, he remembers remember looking across and seeing me, AD and Steve starting to speed up, starting to get quicker, starting to get quicker and quicker. And down the last 10 metres, we were sprinting like it was an Olympic final into the wall and like an Olympic finish, smashing it into the wall for who could finish the session first on a swim <laughs> down. And he remembers just sitting there with his, with, with his hands behind his head. And he said that he didn't even have to really do anything. He could just he could write the session on the board, sit back and just watch us do it. Just watch, just watch us, watch each, watch uh, me, Stephen, Aidy bounce off each other, watch us uh, compete against each other, test each other, push each other every single day. Um, and so that's what I mean when I say it was a really, really great year. That year, and going into Athens, I've never felt better. I felt so high on the water. Um, it was, it was just it, in terms of how I felt, it was, it was the best. I've ever felt in the water. James, um, can I ask you how it compared with Manchester? Because Manchester was a yeah. huge, great breakthrough for you, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, that gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. How do, how do the two compare? Yeah, I actually didn't feel great in Manchester. I, I remember doing the heats and I went like 201 and I felt so tired and sluggish in the water. I felt re- I felt quite heavy in the water. And, and in, between, in between the heats and the finals... Um, my co- Sean had said to me, just just try and relax down that first 100. And I think what had happened, because I was only 19, I was a spring chicken on the, you know, and it was my first really big major competition um, in my hometown. And, you know, with the buzz and excitement of it all, I think I'd just got a little bit excited down the first 100. So what I did in the finals, I just, just tried to let, leave my legs alone a little bit, control that stroke rate. And I went out like maybe 0.1 or 0.2 slower than the heats. And I just completely relaxed my stroke, didn't overkick, and I only went like 0.1 or 0.2 slower. But that meant I could really bring it home down the back end, and I came back like a, a second and a half or two seconds faster down the back uh, 100 metres of that and, and ended up taking the gold. Um, so that, that was the big difference, really. So you, you obviously say you were having swimming the best that you'd felt. Yeah. Uh, well, ever, you say now, but certainly up to that point, you knew that it was the best you'd felt. You qualified through, through the trials, went to Athens... Uh, were you yeah. still feeling feeling it there? I mean, it's a big a big step up from a Commonwealth Games or a World Championships to Olympics in terms of atmosphere and things. How did you find that that change? I, I loved it. Um, I loved it. I mean, and again, I've got to thank my teammates. I think with those boys that I was training with and the atmosphere that I trained with all year, because these guys have been to the Olympics before. That you know, Steve and Graham Smith had won a bronze, obviously in uh, in '96 and that fifteen hundred. So these boys have been you know to some major competitions already. And they really helped push me through. But I was I was so young and confident. And we can maybe talk about my race. And I think that was my downfall in the end of why I came forth. But I, I was so young. I was you know I was 21. I was confident. I was you know I was swimming so well, training with these big lads who were like 27, 28 years old. Um, and I, I just I just I, and going to the Olympics is what I always wanted to do. So I, when I did the heat swim, I felt I was literally taking the taking the mick a little bit, like. 
I remember coming down the back 50. I think I went 150. I can't remember what I went in the heat. It's definitely 157 in the final. I might have gone 158 low or something, but I remember it was down a, the back 50. 157.9. 57.9, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I went, oh, yeah, because I went 157 three times in a row. Um, but I did that heat, so 157.9, and I literally down the back 50 metres was looking around. I remember looking from side to side, and I was like so far ahead of everybody. I was like, I, I, down the back 50. I just kind of just relaxed and switched off and just made sure I won the heat. So um, Chad got it from. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah, because some, some sort of talk about should you look around, coaches say should you look around, and I, I don't know, there's a bit of a debate of maybe whether you should look around or not. Um, as long as you do it in the right way, I think it, I, I think it's fine. But um, And then I did the semi-finals, and I felt, I felt it, you know, even better. I felt great. And, and I, I remember looking around again, um, and I think, I think in Athens you only had to finish in the top two to make it through to the final. Um was that was that right? Is that right in Athens? I'm sure that's what it was. Um, I think. I but think, anyway, yeah, I think it was just the fastest eight again. Uh, was it the fastest eight? Yeah. But, I, but I, I remember winning that semi-final. I was, I was in the lead by maybe half a body length, and you know, I felt if you win the sem- you know, I was in the first semi-final and Pearce was in the second one. But I knew if I won that heat, I was going to be in the, that semi-final. I was going to be in the final. So I remember looking around, touch the wall. I think it went one fifty-seven four in that semi-final. Oh, you're, under, you're underselling yourself, James. One fifty-seven two. Oh, was it one fifty seven? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I hey, listen. It was a dark time, but by the end of it, I, I sometimes try and switch. Mem- memory plays tricks after sixteen years, is it? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm underselling myself. But I remember doing that semi final, swimming down, and I went to the toilet right, and I needed, I needed, you know, nature was calling, so I went <laughs> to the toilet, and I'm sat on the toilet, um, and I could hear a, a couple of coaches come in, and they're American coaches, and they start talking. And they say, "Did you see that? Did you see that British lad in the uh, two minutes backstroke?" Because I was looking around, and I, honestly, I felt so high in the water. I was just looking around, and I was just cruising that back fifty. And they were talking about me, saying, "Yeah, how how good I looked, and how easy I made it. I made that one fifty seven look." Um, and I was just on top of the world. And then, obviously, I had that day off, uh, and then it came to the final time, which was a little bit of a different story. How did you was, uh, How did you approach yeah. the final? I mean. I had you mentioned totally I totally wrong, <laughs> but I had this. Uh, I had a similar chat with Steve Parry, your teammate, as you as you mentioned, and yeah. um, uh, he'd obviously had a slightly different journey through events um, and yeah. semi-final to final. But he had a similarly dominant swimmer in in Michael Phelps. He was racing. You had Aaron Pearsall, who was unbeaten since the previous Olympics. Uh, yeah. You know, world record holder, or what have you, who was. No, two seconds quicker than everyone else. I think in the semi-finals. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you approach that? Uh, not mentally what what was your kind of tactic yeah i i, I did it completely wrong um i i did it completely wrong I, and to this day i don't know i was like i say i was so confident and the, se- the heats and semi-final felt so easy um i approached the final i don't know why but i completely approached the final wrong i remember going up to my I did the um i did my warm-up um and after my warm-up, I went over to Sean and I said, I'm going to win silver tonight. I'm going to go 156. And Sean was like, right, okay. Um, and I don't remember exactly what Sean said after that, but he, he pretty much just agreed with me. And then when you're going up for your final about, you need to be, you, you just go up to, your, to, to go to the call room and you'll go through all that, all that stuff about 20 minutes before you race. Uh, and I remember about half an hour, you know, I went up to Sean, are, are you I think most of us do this, but you go and talk to your coach before you go up for your race, just to have a chat about how we're going to swim the race and you know how, how we're going to feel, what we've, talk, what we've done for training the previous year. And I remember going up to Sean 
and say again saying to him, um, yeah, I feel great. Uh, the heats of the semi-final are so easy. I'm going to go 156. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm going to beat Pearsall, but I'm going to go 156 tonight. I'm, I'm going to break the Commonwealth record again. Uh, and I'm going to get the silver medal. And sure, I, I don't remember Sean saying much about that. He was just like, yeah, okay, just you know, just, just go for it. And I shouldn't have done that. And it was it was such a massive error because what, I, what I've done, and it was so stupid, is I'd, and I'd already put myself, what I've done is I'd already put myself on the podium. I'd already put myself in that silver medal position and, you know, put this time out of my head. And what I'd done is I'd completely forgot about the actual race and all the training sets I'd done that year on pacing, on stroke rate, you know, on, on the pain of how it feels. We did a lot of back-end speed work on the pain of how it feels down that back 50 metres. Um, my, my butterfly kicks off the turn, you know, how many, how many fly kicks I'm going to do. And I just completely forgot about the whole race and switched off and not even, I just put myself on the podium. So obviously when I did my race, I thought I could try and stick with Pearsall as, for as long as I could. And at 150, I'm actually not too far behind him. And then obviously as the race goes, I blow up down the back 50 metres and the Austrian, the Austrian lad and the Romanian lad go past me in the last five metres. And I go 157.7 or whatever it is. Um, one of you yeah. guys have got the stats there. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. So that's, that's the only one I remember out of all three. Right, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I dropped half a second, which is in my own mind. And I, I think I came back 31-0 on the back 50, which is absolutely, I can't swear on this, can I? Which is absolutely shocking. Um, you know, it's, it was a second slower than, you know, than my, than my other races. And if I'd have just, fo- so what I should have done is just focused on my race, how I understood how you know thought back to the heats in the semi-final how i felt down that first 100 meters but because i'm so competitive and i felt so good and, and i and I, I maybe was a little bit naive or very naive i thought i could just stay with pearsall and i thought i could challenge him which was the most stupid thing in the world to do because like you said he was already two he's the world record holder he's two seconds ahead of the rest of the field and you know what being next to him in the final was probably was wasn't probably a good thing for me maybe being in like lane two like manchester when i was in lane two maybe being in lane two might have been a better lane for me, actually, than being bit next to Pearsall. I don't, James. Like you say, you, you go through it and you say it's stupid, but like I hear, I hear the way that you're talking about it. And actually, I think like sometimes going into a race with the kind of attitude that you were going in with is is when like the magic, you know, those magic races that you, you know, something you always knew you were capable of but haven't yet yeah. put together. That's that's where it comes from. And also, I think. Um, thinking about a race too much sometimes gives you an opportunity to talk yourself out of all the things that you know that you're capable of so when you say like we've done all the work on the back end speed we thought about the pain and all of that kind of stuff that is also something that can make you um you can think about pain too much and you know get scared of it almost so yeah i'm sure this is something that you have thought about for a long time because it's it's so close and it's it's so near to something that you know you really deserved um but i i don't like when i hear you talking about it it makes me feel sad that you that you feel like you did it it wrong i just think that's an approach to a race and it didn't work out on the day but i don't think that sounds like it's a sort of terrible way to approach your first olympic final was that your first olympic final it was, yeah, yeah. I think it sounds like a pretty positive way to approach something like that. I've Were you heard nervous this before, at all? Yeah. No, um, I, I, I don't remember. I was not Yeah, of course, I was nervous, but it was like I couldn't wait to win the silver medal in my head. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? And no, I, I hear what you're saying. And people have said this before. Like, at least you went for it. At least you went 
you know, you, you actually went and tried to challenge Pearsall and actually, you know, you thought you could go for it. And people have said that before, like, you know, you should, you should hold your head up high that you actually had the guts to go for it um, and, you know, and, and, and try and, I, I guess, in effect, try and win gold. Because um, I'm a big, I'm, a, I'm so competitive that a part of me, a small part of me, and I don't know if you guys, some of you guys might agree, some of you might not, a small part of me thinks that there shouldn't be silver and bronze medals at the Olympics because you either win or you don't. And for, for me, my whole life was I, I wanted to win. I wanted to be I wanted to be in first place. And if I wasn't in first place, I was actually a bit disappointed. Um, so I don't know whether that was... But you, but you were aiming for silver, James. You just said you were aiming for silver then. You thought you could get silver. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, it's the Olympics, isn't it? I mean, being at the Olympics, like you'll take, you know, you, know, you take a medal. Um, but when I got in the pool and I actually started the race, I, I tried to challenge. I'm just because the, the, I'm the racer that's in me and the competitive person that's in me. I just couldn't let Pearsall go. I had to try and stay with him as for as long as I could, and it paid. I paid for it down the back fifty. Well, well Steve did a similar things with Phelps, though, didn't he? If you think yeah, I was. Gonna say, was that before or after Steve's Steve's two hundred fly medal? The fly was the, <clears throat> the fly was earlier, I think. Yeah, fly was earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what? Maybe we can blame Steve. Steve. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that had a part to play in it as well. That I, I I saw Steve do so well, and I thought, you know what? Yes, I can go for it as well. Um, but I mean, I, listen, and you know, for anyone that's listening, it's great to have that visualization of you know, put yourself in on the podium and doing all that stuff, all that sort of stuff. But you've got to have that element of control in your race as well. You've got to have that element of, you can't just bomb it out. You can't just, you know, you can't just go willy nilly down the first 150 meters thinking you're, you know, thinking that you're some sort of, you know, rocket man in the water. You've got to have that control. And I remember going down the first 100 meters and I was forcing it and I was, you know, to try and stay with her. So I was forcing the stroke a little bit, you know, in the heats and the semi, in the yeah, in the heats and semi finals, I was so relaxed and just felt so smooth in the water. And then the final, I tried to force it, and you can't force it in swimming. Was that a nerves thing, James? Did you feel nerves? Did you feel the occasion get to you or what? No, no it wasn't nerves. It was just me trying to, trying to, just go faster. I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to explain. It's just me trying to almost win the race and and go that faster time. And I just forced it a little bit too much. And in any sport, in any sport, if you try and force something or try and try and try too hard, it actually has the, the opposite effect. If you look at like the best sportsmen and women in the world, they look so relaxed when they're doing this, doing their thing. And when they when they win those races, they look so smooth and so you know, I always think about like a tennis player like Roger Federer. When he hits his tennis, it just looks so smooth and effortless. You know, when Phelps is swimming his fly or Chad Across, it just they glide across the water so smooth. And he can't force it, and I feel like I forced it a little bit too much, and 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 that's what that's what happens when when you do something like that. You 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 back fifty meters, you, you start to pay for it, and that's that's really what happened with me. Which is why, in commentary terms, because I'd seen you for the last two years before that, pretty much mm. nailing your last fifty, the Commonwealth Games, uh, the World Championships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You you done. Your last 50 always looked smooth, always looked composed. You came back yeah. very strongly. I kind of expected you to do it that night. I'm, I've got to yeah. admit, I thought, well, don't worry. He'll kick into gear. He'll do it in the last 50. And I, and I was almost swimming that race with you. You're thinking, come on, yeah. James, you're in fourth gear, mate. There's another gear you can go to here. And it yeah. just didn't quite happen, did it? No, I know. And that was it. That was it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was it. And it's interesting to talk about gears. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, the... I always a lot a lot of the time like I trained with some swimmers who didn't who didn't quite make it 
Um, and there was there was also my, my coach talked about it was easy speed. Like you, you can get really fast, good speed, and it, it feels relaxed and easy. And I think some people, a lot of swimmers, didn't really have that that easy speed, and they, that maybe that's one of the reasons why they they didn't get to that next level. But I always thought I always felt like I had five gears and I had sport mode as well, so I could put myself <laughs> into like fourth and fifth gear. But when I needed to, I could turn on sport mode and kind of get that little bit extra out of myself. And I just didn't have it down that back fifty in Athens, and you know, I paid paid the price. So you you're coming down the last fifty, James, and and you, you know, presumably at some point in that last twenty five realised that that this wasn't going the way that you'd hoped in terms of how you felt and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And you'd spoken about looking around in the in the the heats and semifinals to know where you were. What, did you know where you were in that last twenty five? You know when the yeah. when the pain really kicked in. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I could, I could, I can't remember who was next to me. I think the Austrian, uh, the Romanian lad, was next to me, and I could see him just going past me in the last five, and I knew I was in big trouble. Um, and it's weird because I, I think I came fourth by point one um, of a second, and it's weird because that's in terms of like space and distance, it's it's nothing. You know, it's, it's like dirt, dirt on the wall. Do you know what I mean? But I, I knew. And I think swimmers know when they when they just lose or just win, you know, when they just kind of come in a certain position like that. Yeah, I did. I kind of knew. I remember punching the pad after after the race because I was so mad with myself um, with blowing up in that last kind of like yeah thirty thirty twenty five thirty meters. But yeah, I knew. I knew when it was. And it, even on, you know, even on even even when I was swimming different strokes, uh, you know, even on, like on breaststroke or fly, I could kind of see out the side of my. I always used to wear Swedish goggles the speedo swedish version and you can kind of see out the side the kind of you know like uh, plastic all the way around so you can kind of see out the side but i used to get those because i could see outside my goggles um and see where everybody else was because I, I was a i was a racer and i like to look around ways we know michael phelps is very kind of closed isn't he he's got the, the speed sockets you can't really see out the side of those speed sockets and yeah. phelps was very blink i think adam Peaty's like that as well he's very blinkered in his swimming that he doesn't care about anybody else who's around. It's kind of just him and the lane and the race, and that's it. Um, it's like he could literally do it on his own. Whereas I'm not like that. I, I have to go. When I did my Delhi swim in, in uh, uh, the Commonwealth Games in 2010, I uh, it was interesting because I, I went I went so much faster. I went 155.5 in Delhi. And I think it's still a British record to this day. That turn of the backstroke, and that was that's the best swim I've ever done in terms of putting the race together. That was the contrast with that one in Athens is, is totally different. Because that was all about a race plan, hitting these times, knowing how I felt on each 50, a certain stroke rate, fly kicks under the water. I knew how many fly kicks I was going to do on every single turn. Um, and I went two seconds faster there. But in, in Delhi, on the last turn, when you push off, and I did my butterfly leg kicks, and when I come up, you can see the scoreboard right then. It was at the turn end. And so I remember seeing the scoreboard. I remember seeing 125 on the scoreboard. So obviously 125 on the back 50, I've only got to go 30 points to go 155. I was like, and so that kind of gave me the inspiration down that back 50. I remember gritting my teeth and just kicking and trying to hold that form down the back 50 and touching the wall going 155.5. So that was a big, that was a big contrast with um, how I swim. I like to use that contrast of, of, of knowing my race plan, knowing how I'm going to feel, staying relaxed and down that first. So important to try and stay relaxed down that first 100 metres in, in a 200-metre race. Um, and that was the big contrast between Athens and, and Delhi. James, what was the sequence of events after you finished the race in Athens? Did you look yeah. up the scoreboard? How soon were you aware that Pearsall had been DQ'd? Um, so I remember getting out of the pool and Sean running down and giving me a hug because Pearsall had been disqualified. And he, 
I was already disappointed, and I just remember thinking, and even now, like if I'd have just swam the same the same time in the semi final in the final, I would have won silver, and I would have been looking at gold for for half an hour, an hour, however long it was. But I remember Sean coming down and Sharon interviewing me. I can't remember exactly what Sharon said, but um, I just remember kind of maybe being a little bit. I can't remember exactly how I feel, felt straight after. It was a real mixture of emotions. But I remember he got reinstated pretty quick because I don't, I didn't do a swim down. It's about twenty um, minutes, I think, wasn't it, between the two? Yeah, it was about, long. I think about, about twenty minutes. Yeah, because I don't remember doing a swim down um, at all, and I got bloody. Oh, sorry, I can't swear. I got drug tested as well, didn't I? Um, <laughs> it was. I think the medalist got chosen for drug testing, and then one random other person, and it just so happened that fourth got drug tested. I remember being sat in the drug testers crying. Um, just sat there, just just eyes filled with tears, and just just devastation. Really, I was just so so devastated um, with myself and how I'd swam, and I had no like my mum always. My mum sometimes says, "Oh, that bloody Aaron Pearsall." Like, but I don't blame Pearsall at all. Like, I've got no bad blood, or I've, you know, Pearsall was the best backstroke. He deserved the Olympic gold medal. I don't, you know, I don't care that he kicked into the wall a little bit. It's it's, it's irrelevant to me. Absolutely, one hundred percent irrelevant. He was the best backstroker in the world. You know, if it had turned round at 25 metres and swam back and won the gold, then I might have had a bit more of an issue. But, <laughs> you know, a little kick into the wall and he's two, two and a bit, two and a half seconds ahead of the rest of the field. You know what? He's a gold medalist, no problem. It was with me and I was so upset with myself and so upset with how I'd swam um, that it was just pure devastation um, and just felt like the world was... I, 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 I remember I was sharing a room with Graeme Smith in, at that Olympics. So in the village, you know, you have the Brit, British... The British team have their, like a block of apartments, and then you know each one each one has their own little kind of block. And I was in the room with Graham Smith, two beds, and because Graham still has to do his fifteen hundred, so obviously you've got to respect the other swimmers, haven't you? You've got to respect the other swimmers, and you've got to be quiet and go to bed at a good time. I remember sitting up in my in my bed, uh, and it must have been maybe ten o'clock at night. And Graham was just trying to get to sleep, and I had Gangs of New York on my laptop, what trying to watch that film. It was actually Graham's film, but he lent it to me because I, co- I couldn't sleep. And I just remember thinking, having the laptop on, this is not fair on Graham because the light's shining. He might be able to hear it through my headphones. So I turned my laptop off, got up, and I took the little shuttle bus, bus to the uh, to the canteen, to the to the food court. And as soon as you go through the doors, the food court in Athens, on the right-hand side was McDonald's because McDonald's was in the Olympic. All free, McDonald's 100% free the whole time. So it's, when the swimmers are finished, it's actually quite cool to go and get as many McDonald's as you want. But I remember going through, McDonald's on the right-hand side, and I remember sitting at the table outside McDonald's and just put my head down and just slept it outside McDonald's all night and then woke up when it was kind of light and then slowly trudged back to my apartment. And I don't think I slept the whole time, really. Um, and it was just pure devastation, really. Um, and I don't... It's really weird because I can't remember what conversations I had with people because obviously people would be gutted and you know and upset for me, especially Sean. I can't, it was just, it's just all really a massive blur. Did you talk and to Pearsall at all? Did he talk to you at any point? Never spoke to Pearsall about it. Um, 2011 World Champs, um, I saw Pearsall at a party in Shanghai and we just had drinks. Me, him and Steve Parry just had some drinks and we had a really good time. And actually me and Pearsall for a long time were actually okay friends. Like Whenever we saw each other, we'd say hi. Because a lot of the time the British swimmers and the American swimmers aren't seriously close unless they go to America and you know, study over there because we only see them a couple of times every four years, don't we? You know, world champs, Olympics, and that's pretty much it. 
so you don't really get to mingle with the Americans. But me and Pearsall actually had an okay relationship because um, you know we've been in a few finals together. But I've, I, we never spoke about it. We never we never spoke about that race at all. Um, and to be fair, like I, I've, it's only recently since I finished swimming that I actually. I'm fine to open up about talking about. I will never watch that race back as well, guys. I've never watched it back. I will. I can't. I will never ever watch that race back. I will never watch about it because I sometimes still, you know, don't lose sleep. I sometimes still think about it and think, Shh, you know, if I just done this different. I'd so, so when you do different. your talks, James, when you do your talks to the the kids, when you go to the schools yeah. and stuff, do you do you not want to say, well, this is me at the Olympics? Do you not want to show them that you at the at the Olympics? Maybe stop the race after 150 meters or something like that. <laughs> no, no, I can't. No, no, I, I take you know I wear my tracksuit and put pictures up and all that sort of stuff of me at the Olympics and stuff. But I can't watch that race again, Bob. I'll, I'll never watch that race back. Um, it's do just you, too emotional for me. Is there? Do you just feel disappointed with that? Because because I think for anyone anyone who's not been at that level that you've been at. Mm-hmm. fourth fourth at the olympics is amazing like it's amazing and i know it has that more bitter than sweet feel for you but yeah. but do you, are you you must you must there must be a bit of you that is proud or maybe maybe that is just too marred but you must be proud of your of mm-hmm. everything you've achieved when you look back on your swimming career i hope i hope you are oh boy um <sighs> quite a big I question I, I know <laughs> i didn't know we were, going to, we were going to go this deep but i've like between me and you like i've been in therapy um and one of the one of the things of me getting really upset is um the therapist asked if i felt like i'd been a failure in my career and i straight away said yeah um and it, i got really really upset and i, I I've got a bit of a frog in my throat trying to say it now, but... I, oh, sorry, James. No, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I've not really spoke about it publicly, but I, I do feel like... I, I do feel like my career was a failure, and it, and, I, and I don't... And I know maybe I shouldn't feel that way, but I I do. I, I, I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve, and it's... And it does hurt inside, and it... And, and I know I feel should feel proud, and I know so many people... Um, so many people, families and friends said, fourth at the Olympics, like that's, you were the fourth fastest swimmer in the world. Well, technically I was the second, I think I was ranked second in the world after that Olympics, but I never say that, but they're like, wow, you're the fourth fastest swimmer in the world. And I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And they're like, that's, that's unbelievable. That's amazing. And I just can't get out of my head how, like for me, it's coming fourth is like the worst it's the worst position. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather, sometimes I feel like I'd rather have just not made the Olympics. I know that sounds terrible, but I, I sometimes feel like I'd rather just not make the Olympics than come fourth. Um, yeah, and I think it's, yeah. you know, with that, I know this, Steve's done a, a big podcast on retirement and, and the difficulties that people face with it, but I think this kind of feeling is something that is, it's huge for, for swimmers of all standards in terms of, stopping something when you feel that you could have done more or you could have done better or there's something that you wanted to achieve that you didn't but I think particularly you know when you're when you're as good as you were um to to come so close and and not 
be able to say that you've done the thing that you you trained so hard to do and you wanted to do um but just from a perspective of someone who was nowhere near as good as you I mean I look at your career and just it's just incredible and and I know that's no consolation for not not having done what you wanted to do but Mm. if it's something that you can't be proud of please know that there are a lot of other people who really admire you for what you did and think that your career was incredible yeah yeah you know what and I really appreciate that and and it's it's not like I'm not proud like I'm of course I'm proud like you know going to representing your country at, at, at a stage like the Olympics is you know it's the most proud it's you know it's the most proud thing to do as a as a swimmer it's the most proud thing to do and representing Stockport was you know, it's my home. It's my it's my roots. I know I went to Loughborough for a couple of years, um, but Stockport's my home. Stockport's where all my roots are, and it's where I grew up. And I've, my heart will always be with Stockport Metro. Um, and I don't want them to feel like I'm not grateful because I'm so grateful for everybody that that helps me at Stockport. And it's it's yeah. I'm, you know what? I've, I've, and I'm coming to terms with it a lot more since I've retired. And I'm, I'm obviously I'm you know I'm able to talk about it a lot more. Um, but it's 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 maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my personality of how I am, and it's just it, it, I I don't think I'll ever fully get over coming fourth at the Olympics. It's and maybe I'm too harsh on myself um, sometimes. But it's it's I'm I'm just kind of kind of coming to terms with it over the last maybe three or four years. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally concur with what Katie said. I mean, I, I covered a lot of your races. I've commentated a lot of your races. James, you gave me a lot of pleasure because um, they, they were great moments. Very good. Bearing in mind, you were such a terrible trainer in the winter. Sean yeah. always used to say to me, I can't get this boy to do the sets I want him to do in the winter because yeah. it's too cold. Yeah. You yeah. just you didn't like winter training, did you? Yeah. And you know what? Like, and, and this is, a, a, you know, people that are going to be listening to this, big shout out to all the swimmers who want to swim. The best I ever swam was in, in really was in Delhi in 2010. And I've spoke to Sean, I get, you know, now that I've finished swimming, I go and see Sean sometimes. We just kind of reminisce and talk about stuff. But um, to all the, the other sw- the swimmers out there, the, the reason why I swam so well in Delhi, you know, people were getting sick, people were getting poorly, dehydrated, not swimming. You know, in terms of actually swimming quality, I don't think Delhi was that great. But I'd never felt better. I, I you know, won the gold in the tuna. I am tuna back, I smashed it. I hit my perfect race. I, you know, I did. I, I broke the British and Commonwealth record at the time, and I've spoke to Sean about it and said, "Why, why did I swim so well in Delhi?" And he said to me that year, 2009, 2010, you'd never been more consistent in training, in terms of your attendance in training, in terms of putting quality sets together, in terms of working on my technique. I smashed my technique that season. Like I, we did filming, um, we worked on catch and and uh, the end of the stroke and backstroke. Um, body position we worked on so much that year and consistently through the year i did great week after great week after great week after great week and i know it sounds kind of obvious but the more consistent you are in training the, the faster you're going to be the, the better you're going to be and i know it sounds obvious but that's that was the reason um for why i swam so well uh in in delhi um but i really struggled i yeah i, I wasn't I, I swam well in training. I did put, I did some fantastic training sets. And actually, m- most of my memory is from training camps in South Africa, Australia, you know, doing great sets with Steve Parry. I remember going to Millfield but, but as a junior. And I did this 10 300 backstroke off 345 long course, which is 115 per 100, which is, which is, which is okay. And I made all 10 300s backstroke. So you remember these kinds of sets. So don't get me wrong. 
I put some fantastic training sets together. And to go to the Olympic in Games... In the warm can't... weather, though, James, you had to, you had to go <laughs> yeah. away to do it, though, didn't you? You couldn't do it in Southport during the I winter. Really struggled, I really struggled with, with the cold and getting up, and I really struggled to get motivated um, during like the November, December, January months. I really, really struggled, and I found it really difficult. And without my teammates, I probably would have would have dropped out a couple of times um, for longer, longer periods. Um, and it was because, because Bob, I'm, you know me, I'm such a racer. Like all I, all I wanted to do was race and compete and whether it was any sport and it didn't even have to be sport. I remember playing, we used to, at the end of training sessions, we, when the coach used to put the bit of paper at the end of the block, at the end of the lane with the session on, at the end of the session, we, we used to screw it up and we used to go with the boys. We used to put our one pound in. So everyone would put one pound in and whoever could throw it in the bin would win the pot. You know what I mean? So we'd do stuff like that all the time. Like I, like I was always competing, always challenging the boys, whether it was at poker or this this throwing the paper game or any, you know, race in the last 25 metres in, in training. I was so competitive. So training for me, and sometimes during those winter months, it's two or three months before your next competition. I, I, I just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just wanted to race all the time. And... Um, I found it really difficult. I did find it really, really difficult in those winter months, but yeah, for sure. Did you ever think about going to the US, James? Just I from the like racing yeah. perspective. It sounds like it might have kind of suited you in a way, like the NCAA kind of dual yeah. meet racing all the time. Yeah, you know what? I look back and think, oh, should I have gone? Because I got some nice offers, actually. When I won the European Juniors in 2001, when I was 18, I got, I got some nice offers from American universities. Uh, and I kind of thought about it and someone said, why don't you go and like go and because what they'll do is they'll fly you out to go and have a look around and you can fly to a, different, a few different universities. And, have a look. and I should have done that really. But the thing was, like I was 18 when I, when, I, when I won the European Juniors and I broke the British record in the 400 IM actually in Malta uh, with a new European Junior record and all that sort of good stuff. And I started getting paid then because it was done on world rankings back then. It was how, how high, high you were ranked in the world. That's how much you start getting paid. So I, I think it put me in the top 10 in the world. I started getting money then. So I thought to myself, I'm 18. I'm living at home. I'm getting paid now. I'm at a great club at Stockport with some top swimmers there. You know, I'm swimming well. I'm breaking British records now. Like, why move? Do you know what I mean? I yeah. thought to myself, like, why why move? Like, why not just stay here? You know, Graeme Smith was at the club, you know, this, this uh, Olympic bronze medalist. And that was the reason for me not moving to America. Should I have done it later in my career? Maybe. Maybe I should have done it. Um, especially after Athens, maybe that was um, not after. Yeah, after Athens, maybe I should have done it um, because I didn't. If you if you look back at my career after Athens, I did nothing for two and a half years till Beijing. Really, well, maybe even four years. I did nothing. Oh five, <laughs> oh five, I bombed in Canada. Oh six, I pulled out the Commonwealth Games and bloody Gregor Tate won, went and won two golds in the two hundred four hundred in the two hundred back and two hundred IM. If I'd have equaled my PB, I would have won two golds there. You know, I, I would have beat Greg, no problem. Like, it's, it's, but I, I, I didn't go. And it was all off the back of Athens. Um, maybe that, maybe, Katie, that was, that would have been a really good point, actually, uh, in my career after Athens to, um, because, because Steve retired, Graham uh, Smith retired, Steve, uh, Steve and AD, Steve Perry and AD Turner, they retired. So all the big boys left. Um, Stockport after that so that so I became suddenly this 21 year old became the senior swimmer at Stockport and I think after the disappointment I wasn't ready for it and maybe like you say yeah maybe a change would have been would have been good for me it's easy to look back and I also think yeah. you know from from my experience of thinking about maybe going it was all so unknown and like I found the whole recruiting thing 
completely weird because it's not something that we have in the UK. And it felt a little bit like, oh, it's a bit too good to be cr- true and it's so far away and, and I've never yeah. seen a yards pool. And, you know, yeah. There are a million reasons not to, just as there are a million reasons to go. Yeah. But I think as well, like you were obviously in one of the best setups mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah. It, you'd need quite, you need something that's really, really pulling you to, to leave that kind of setup. No, no. And you and, and, and listen, I'm, um, I'm solar powered as well, for sure. Like it, as soon as you get me outside, <laughs> honestly, I think maybe it's my Seychelles roots, but I, I'm so solar powered. As soon as you get me outside in the sun, my, 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 like if it's in a training camp or it's in a race, I up my game straight away. Like, I know I, I didn't do what I wanted to do in Athens, but Athens was outdoor. It was warm. Malta, when, when I won my two European junior gold medals, outdoor. And it was red hot in Malta. It was so, so hot in July. It was July in Malta, outdoors. It was so hot. Um, <laughs> and when I went on training camps to South Africa, it was slightly altitude, but that was always outdoors as well, of course. You know, to, you, know you want to get that tan, that feel of tan. But I'd always up my game outdoors and maybe looking back, you know, and stop poor Manchester during the winter. It's just like, oh, my days, it's... It's cold and dark and miserable. It's not. It's not really for me. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe looking back, maybe I should have made a change. Well, you say you did nothing, but you did have two more Olympics <laughs> and and a, a pretty successful career, as you've mentioned a couple of the highlights after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, to be fair, like the Olympics for me is always in terms of my swimming is actually always been a little bit of a disappointment like you know i came fourth in athens sixth in beijing and seventh i don't want this course to be too down in, in the dumps here like, i feel like <laughs> a little bit too doom and gloom here like i had some great times like literally I, you know i had some really really great times in swimming it was you know some of my teammates were just you know who i trained with they're just you know steve parry is probably what my favorite person that i've ever trained with in terms of um you know he's like the life and soul of the party steve he's bubbly charismatic he's got the gift of the bat gab you know, he's, but he's, he's a hard worker, Steve, as well. Like, he would train. But Steve was kind of like, because Steve had this American background, he kind of had this, like, let's go hard or go home kind of attitude. Um, so he would bring that to the pool. And it was, you know, so I've had some great times with the boys, and the, you know, training with Kerry Ann and Cassie. So many different personalities. When I went to Loughborough, I was in a squad with, you know, for two years, I was in a squad with Ian Turner's head coach. But Dave Carey was in there, Ross Davenport. Mel Marshall was the only girl in the squad. So, you know, having banter with Mel every day, you know, was it was was great. And it's soon enough. So I've had some fantastic teammates and training partners along the way. I've had such a great time and such a laugh. Um, you know, and, and you know, going to it's one of my first South Africa trips in 03 and 04 was was Steve Parry and Aidy Turner, those boys again, you know, um Simon Bird, Stephen Meller. And just some of my highlights were like I'd take my PlayStation. And we played uh, PGA Tiger Woods 2003, and we played Madden 03. You know, we'd have some like all-day marathon sessions playing golf on on the Xbox, on the PlayStation, and uh, and Madden. You know, we just used to have such great banter and such great laugh. And it, you know, I do miss that quite a lot, actually. I do miss, you know, again to all swimmers out there, make the most of the time in in your club and in your swimming career because it goes so fast, and you'll always have those teammates for life. But just have a great time and have a lot of fun. And when you're in training, like bounce off each other all the time, like challenge each other. Like you've got when you're in training sessions, you've got to challenge each other in training and use your teammates to bounce off each other. Because that's what I did. That's what I was really, really great. Actually, I didn't enjoy training a lot of the time when it, when I didn't want to go. But I bounced off my teammates so so well, and I I myself would push them because I'm so competitive in training. I'd make them race me, 
and I'd, you know, and sometimes I'd do because, and I'm a backstroker, I am so I'd sometimes do the breaststroke sets with breaststrokers, and I'd be like, right, I'm doing breaststroke with you boys here today, and they wouldn't want me to win because I'm a backstroker technically, so that would help push those guys a little bit, you know, and I'd sometimes do some freestyle sets with Dave Carey, and I'd try and stick with him for as long as I could, you know, Dave was a really, really good freestyle swimmer, 200, 400 freestyle swimmer, so staying with him and doing some big sets was hard, hard work, um, so just bounce off each other and challenge each other every single day in training it really does make a massive massive difference to to your confidence to your ability to um to fitness to strength and power and you know and and that's what it's all about guys like confidence swimming is and sport is such a confidence-based thing and it's and it's and you've got to be able to do those good sets in training to give yourself that confidence when you stood behind the blocks you know you put the work and you know you've got your teammates behind you and you know you've got that ability to to put a great swim together well, we know that uh, in the current climate and lockdown and what have you in the UK, James, that, uh, that that swimmers up and down the country haven't been able to do that. They've not had that yeah. that chance to train with their with their teammates. Um, yeah. You know, the camaraderie's not been there. Obviously, training at home and doing you know, circuits and yoga and whatever else, you know, clubs have been putting on for for guys to stay fit and running and cycling and all that other other stuff isn't the same as as swimming. I'm interested in. In, in your thoughts and in Katie's thoughts about, you know, uh, the sort of return to the pool and, um, and and what they might expect. I mean, it's, it's Katie, I know you, you had a, a number of times coming back from, from injuries and what have you, but it's slightly different in that, in that these guys would have been able to keep their fitness up and what have you. But um, James, you've talked about feel of the water, you know, when we were in, earlier in this conversation and, what's your view on getting that back i guess you know what what advice or what tips or, or whatever would you give swimmers who are who have been out of the water for you know, almost three months yeah I, I it for these top guys and girls it won't take that long for them to get it back um when when you when you're a, when you're an elite swimmer and top swimmer you know you know how your body works you know you're going to be sore when you first go back like you were talking about we were talking about before before the podcast started you know that your shoulders are maybe going to be a bit sore than normal. You're going to ache the next day a little bit more. And it does take a little bit of time to get that back. Um, and you need that kind of patience for sure, uh, you know, to, to get that feel, to get that conditioning back, that strength. In. Because a lot of the time with swimming as well, because it's such a great all-round body sport, um, you st- you, it's the little muscles that, that get strong when you swim as well. And when you don't do that, the little muscles can get sore and you, that's when you can start to pick up injuries. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if people, you know, might pick up a little strain in the shoulder and you know, the breaststroke is maybe in the knee or butterfly swimmers maybe in the back a little bit. Um, so my advice would be be patient with it, build up, you know, don't just get straight back in and start bombing big, big sessions. You know, it's going to take time to build back into it. But a lot of the top swimmers will, will know this and we've got some we've got some great swimmers and great coaches, so they'll, they'll know all this sort of stuff. But um, I, I was kind of lucky in the fact that I'm naturally pretty slim and I'm naturally, I, I can get in good shape quick. So, you know, if I had a month out of the water, it'd only maybe take me a few weeks to get back in and to start getting back up to that, that kind of high level. So be patient with it. Um, take your time. Don't bomb it and go, you know, get yourself seriously injured because that'd be the worst time now, wouldn't it? You, have, you just had two or three months out of the water, you get back in and then they would get, do your shoulder in. And then you need another, you know, you need an operation. And then you need another six months out. Do you know what I mean? So um, build back into it slowly. That'd be, that'd be my kind of advice. And Katie, what about sort of the mental side of it? Because inevitably, um, no, swimmers are not going to be able to, to make the same repeat times. You know, their first races in whenever that may be in, in the future. You no, know, they may struggle to hit 
PBs that that were uh, or times that are close to their PBs or whatever. You know, is it just about keeping perspective or not understanding that, that that you have missed that time in the water? Yeah, I mean, I would have thought it's it's probably best to be compared to when you've had your end of season break and you come back. And and my feeling then would be, I dive in, I would feel amazing for twenty five meters and be like, oh, I haven't <laughs> yeah. lost, I haven't lost yeah, any true. fitness at all. And then yeah. you turn and you're like, oh my god, my arms are going to fall off. And like, yeah. how am I meant to do this for two hours? That's so and, true. and you feel you feel pretty awful for a fir- for the first week, and then sort of without really realizing, you just don't feel awful. But but and it will come back in that way. But I think um, I think the mental side of this is really interesting, actually, because I think people will have had very different experiences of lockdown. Um, people might have found other things that they enjoy um, and and find it quite hard to stop doing that. Um, a lot of people, I'm sure, would have really, really missed swimming and, and be keen to get back to it. But also it, it might be strange circumstances that that swimming's restarting and it probably won't quite feel like it did. You might not have be able to all train together at first or, you know, you might just find it mentally quite difficult. I think it's perfectly reasonable if some people are quite nervous about coming back to this kind of situation because it's it's been something totally alien to all of us. Um, and I think it is. It's just I, th- I think it's sort of quite a nerve wracking, slightly scary situation at the moment. So, you know, it might just take a while to get back to normality or a bit of time to adjust to what the new normality is but I mean I think if this has shown us anything it is one of well one of the things that's shown us is is how important exercise is um for for everyone's mental health I think it's the only thing that we have all been able to do throughout this in in some way or another and it's one of the only things that gives you a sense of a routine so to the extent we can get that back in our lives more I think it's really really helpful um it just might take a little bit of work to feel comfortable with it james what will it be like for the elite swimmers who are aiming for the olympics this year this is their main target after a four-year yeah. cycle uh then to have everything back a year some people were going right do i keep going for another year i was going to mm-hmm. retire after tokyo but do i keep going for another 12 months have i got my body attuned to do another 12 months what's it gonna be like for the elite athletes thinking about that yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've thought about this, you know, it's a good question because, like you say, they've got to put it back another year. And some of the swimmers that maybe are come at the twilight of the careers, it's do I go another year now? Yeah. And it's, it's, it, and that's the effect that this has had, you know, and some people don't realize the impact it's had with, with some swimmers, you know, and it's, and some swimmers as well that I've thought about, there's usually a couple of youngsters that really kind of step up. And, you know, make that kind of immediate impact and w- would have got on the team this year, you know, um, some some youngsters. Whereas now we've got to go another year. Another group of youngsters could maybe come through this next year, maybe knock them off. So it's it, it's, it's a really good question. Um, and it's a lot of swimmers have got to make some big decisions. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think personally, most will go one more year. Um, and I think the I think. I think the attitude is, is is what Katie just said is you've got to look at it as the start of the season again. Um, I think that's a really good way to look at it. It's the start of the season again, um, and we've just got to hit it in terms of in, in, in terms of the mental side of things like that, like it's the start. But it's a really good question. It's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I guess only time will tell, but it's going to be really interesting to see who's going to make the Olympics next year now um, and how they're going to cope with it. Because I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of of watching the junior swim and watching up and coming young stars coming through because I, I was 
I was quite a pretty good junior swimmer myself, and I remember going through the ranks. And I, my transition was really smooth from junior to senior. Um, you know, I won the European Juniors, went straight into the Commonwealth Games and did really well. I love watching and seeing these juniors doing well and then jumping on the, to the team and making that transition. And we're, we're going to miss it this year. And the Olympic year is obviously the one that we all want to watch. It's the, you know, it's, the, it's, the, it's the biggest one. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. You, you talked about being a racer now. For most of the swimmers, pretty much all the swimmers, are not going to have any racing to do this year. The whole calendar year, you know, it's not like there's even going to be a thing at the back end of the year to look forward to. So yeah. having a whole year without being able to properly race is, is weird, isn't it? It's, I, I, I'm finding it hard to comprehend it, actually. Um, and I, if, if it was my... This is where this is where you need you. This is where I was really lucky. This is where you need your teammates. This is where you need a great team behind you. This is where you, when you go to training, you've got your teammates to bounce off each other and your coach to help you through this and your and your support staff and your family and friends. This is where you're going to need some big help. That like, because for me and my the how mentally how how my mind worked, I couldn't have done it on my own. I'd have really really struggled with this time. I'd have found it really really difficult. Um, but knowing that I could, that I was going to go back into into the training environment with some great teammates, who where we bounced off each other every you know every day we'd have you know we don't have our bad days obviously, but we bounce off each other most days. I think that's what you're going to need. A lot of the swimmers are going to need. You're going to have need that good spot. And don't just and, and what you need to do is I think is to be a great teammate is not just expect it from your teammates, but give it to your teammates as well. You know, give them that kind of encouragement and give them that kind of banter and that. And that and that and that competition in training all the time, where you you can you can help each other and push each other. It's it's a two way street. So that would be my big advice: is to uh, is to really enjoy it with your teammates and help each other get through this time because I think it's important. James, it's been uh, it's been fantastic hearing from you. I think uh, we will start to draw this podcast to a close. But um, thank you very much for your your honesty and for sharing your experiences with us. It's been been really great to hear. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll, as uh, I say, draw this podcast to a close now. So thank you, Bob. Thank you, Katie, for your contributions, as always. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Uh, we'll be back, uh, hopefully, in July with another podcast. But in the meantime, if you want to get in contact, you can go to uh, poolboy.co.uk forward slash contact, uh, at Poolboy on Twitter, Poolboy UK on Facebook. And now, as of this month, I've joined 2010, Poolboy UK on uh, Instagram as well. So until the... Uh, the next podcast we'll say thank you to james again and uh, thanks for listening you've been listening to the pool boy podcast for more episodes visit www.poolboy.co.uk slash podcast <laughs>